0: reading this morning is from Leviticus chapter 19 verses 9 to 18. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over the vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of, the, of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbour. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor. "'Nor favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. "'Do not go about spreading slander among your people. "'Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. "'I am the Lord. "'Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. "'Rebuke your neighbor frankly "'so you will not share in their guilt. "'Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge "'against anyone among your people.' But love your neighbour as yourself. I am the Lord. The second reading comes from Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 to 20. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest of the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble... It would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled Than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you don't despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that didn't wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them.
1: Have you noticed over these last few weeks in Matthew's gospel that there's a couple of things that just keep coming out? We keep seeing in chapter 14. We saw Jesus greatness. He fed 5,000. He even walked on water. We saw that Jesus is a king of absolute power uh, who's going to build his kingdom. And then in chapter 15, we saw that Jesus is not a, a fraud like the other leaders. He's a, he's a far greater kind of leader. He's a king who can see even into our hearts He's a king who can actually lead his people close to God. And then in chapter 16, the disciples finally saw his greatness. Remember, Peter identified Jesus as the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then from that time onwards, Jesus started to tell them that his greatness included him suffering and dying before rising and ruling. And then last week in chapter 17, we saw the greatness of Jesus atop the the mountain. He's a king who's, who's human, but he's more. He's God's own loved son, divine. And yet even across that chapter, what did Jesus keep talking about in chapter 17? Three times he refers to the fact that he's going to suffer and die before he rises and rules. Looking back over these last few weeks, it, it, there's no question of Jesus' greatness and there's no question that his greatness involves an enormous humility because he's going to lower himself even to die for his people. And along the way, he's made it clear that, that he sets the pattern for anyone who follows him. So these last few weeks in Matthew, these things, these three things are clear, Jesus' greatness, Jesus' lowliness, and that he expects his followers to follow him in lowliness. And so the disciples' question at the start of this chapter in 18, chapter 18, is pretty disappointing. Look again at what they ask. At that time, so at the very time that Jesus has been talking about these things, about the cross, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And maybe this question has been sparked by the fact that Jesus has been talking about dying leaving, so maybe they're thinking, well, who's going to replace Jesus? Maybe it's just that every movement needs its 2IC. Whatever the reason, though, their question shows that their hearts are set on status. They're thinking about greatness as a way of self-promotion. But Jesus wants to change their thinking completely. In fact, he wants to change them completely. He wants to change anyone who would follow him. And this is the first thing that we should hear today. We need to change and become the lowly. Jesus calls a little child to stand among them and and look at what he says to them in verse 3. Truly, I tell you, this is serious. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never do well in the kingdom, feel happy in the kingdom. No, no you will never even enter the kingdom of heaven. This is serious. We need to change to become like little children or we won't even be a part of the kingdom at all. Now before we, we go on from this, we really need to know what it means to change and become like little children, don't we? What is it about a child that, that we're to become like? Is it their good behavior? Is it their innocence? Because that really depends on what kind of child Jesus called amongst them well we see what it is that jesus is speaking about as he keeps speaking have a look at at verse 4 jesus says therefore whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven the thing that jesus wants them to see in this, this child as he as he calls the child to them and the thing that he wants them to change in themselves is to become in their own eyes lowly. To see themselves as as not great, not lofty, not self-important, self-promoting, but self-lowering. Now this isn't at all about having poor self-esteem or thinking badly about ourselves or beating ourselves up. A little child doesn't have to have poor self-esteem to be lowly, do they? They just are lowly. Have you ever thought about that? I used to think about this when my kids were little. I used to wonder what it would be like to to be back like them. Because you know, you you put a child in, in the car, for example, and most of the most of the time they have no understanding of where they're even going. And I used to think, what kind of what is that like to live that way? And they've got even less say about where they're going. They don't know whether they're going to be going on a four-hour road trip on holidays or for a five-minute trip to get a needle for chicken pox. No one really asks them what they'd like. No one says to them, hey, are you pro-vaccines or against vaccines? No one cares. It'd be ridiculous to ask them. That's how lowly they really are. They're loved. They're a joy and a terror. And they're incredibly valuable. But what they're not is lofty and high their input is not critical to the governing of family or an institution or a country by nature there's this lowliness to a child and children they, they mostly get this don't they they get that they're dependent on their parents and so what naturally follows their lowliness is their trust in their parents And Jesus says we need to change to become like them. We need to accept a a lowly status. And what follows from this is that we need to trust him like children trust their parents. You you see this idea in verse 6. Have a look at it again. Jesus says, If anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, and he defines little ones here, "not not as children here, but as those who are like children in status, he says, the little ones are those who believe in me. To be a Christian is to be a little one. It's, it's to take a low status and believe in Jesus. Now, this is, this is really coarse stuff. And this has always been Jesus' message, hasn't it? You know, what does Jesus say whenever he's talking about the kingdom? He says, repent and believe which means take a lowly status and trust me, die to yourself and live for me. This is this core message. The disciples, they've heard this again and again and again, but still they're focused on their own greatness. And so Jesus says they need to change that and they need to embrace lowliness. But, but did you notice what lowliness really is in verse 4? Jesus says, Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, true greatness in God's eyes is willingness to take a lowly position. Now, it feels to us like, like an irony or, or like a paradox that, to say that greatness is found in becoming lowly. But it's not a paradox to God. It's his character, it's his heart, it's his beauty. His own glory and power is displayed in his own willingness to take a lowly position. This world and and even our hearts, they they sing to us like sirens that greatness is found in self-seeking. This is like an irresistible lie to us, we're so drawn to it. But God is the great subverter of this lie because the truth has always been that greatness is found in self-giving, in serving, and not in self-seeking. We see true greatness, of course, in Jesus. And what do we see? We see the glory of God take on weak human flesh. We see Jesus die in humiliation at the cross to serve the very people who've betrayed God. True greatness is found in taking the lowly position. And Jesus says to us here, taking the lowly position is the only way to enter his kingdom. So have you ever done that? Have you ever lowered yourself before God? Have you ever given up living for yourself, given up your status, and entrusted yourself to God like a a child trusts their parents? If not, do it. Do it today, because there's no other way, Jesus says, to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. But becoming like a child, it's not merely the way to enter the kingdom. It's clear here from what Jesus is saying that it's also the way to go on in the kingdom. True greatness is, is true lowliness. True greatness is ongoing, genuine lowliness and this is the second thing that we should hear today from what jesus is saying we need to keep taking the position of the lowly and jesus he goes on in this passage to show what this looks like and in chapter three we see it means three things taking the position of the lowly means welcoming others who are lowly it means never causing someone else to stumble and it means seeking the wanderer to be reconciled We're very quickly going to look at each one of these today. And so first, taking the position of the lowly means welcoming others who are lowly. Look at verse 5. Jesus says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Now remember, one such child here means someone who believes in Jesus, someone who lowers themselves and follows Jesus. So this is Jesus saying to us, Whoever welcomes a fellow follower of me, a fellow lowly follower of me, because they follow me, is actually welcoming me. Jesus is saying, if we see in lowly people who follow him, not self-interest for us to exploit, or not a nuisance for us to avoid, but if we see Jesus himself to be welcomed then we're actually serving Jesus. and this is a, a massive change of heart for most of us. But we're to see the, the image of God in all people. But in those who believe in Jesus, we're to see Jesus himself. And think about what this means. We can actually love Jesus in a pretty earthy, tangible way as we love the lowly. When we do kids' ministry with a heart like this, we're welcoming Jesus when we give time and, and care and genuine interest to the socially awkward, the poor, the vulnerable, because they're a believer, we're welcoming Jesus. When we welcome any believer, simply because they're a believer, we're welcoming Jesus. We should jump at the possibility of open up, opening up our lives to the lowly. But the truth is that we're inclined to extend a real welcome to only those people that we like, people who are like us, people who who make us feel uplifted or good about ourselves, people who are fun or good value or have similar interests or kids the same age. There are all sorts of reasons that we welcome people. But here Jesus is talking about welcoming people simply because they belong to him. And Jesus isn't here talking about just saying g'day on a Sunday as someone walks through the door. He's talking about taking a lowly position that means living in a way that opens our hearts to his followers. And this means we extend a welcome whether we click with people or not, whether they seem important in our eyes or not, whether it's mutually enjoyable or not. One of the amazing things uh, about churches is that you'll find people drawn together by Jesus who would not normally be drawn together in everyday life. You got young and old professional and working people different nationalities but all of us all of us see ourselves as the lowly and so all of us are actively humbly welcoming each other. This is should absolutely characterize who we are in, in very practical ways from who we are here on a Sunday right through to midweek as well. You know, church doesn't start for us at 10 a.m. For some of us, it actually starts at 8 a.m. as, as people gather to humbly set up this hall for us so that we can welcome each other. And so really, though, we should all be thinking church for us starts at, at 9.45 a.m. so that we can be here looking out for each other. How are we extending a a, a real welcome to each other if we're not giving each other time? Church doesn't end at 11.15. It it ends after we've had time to give a real welcome, not only to friends and those we like, but to people we've never met, people we would never meet except for here. And welcoming doesn't end on a Sunday. Sunday is just the beginning. If you take the lowly position, you serve people by opening up your life, your home. So let me ask you a couple of questions, just to help us think this through. Who do you have into your home? Or who do you invite to meet you for a coffee or to go for a walk? If the answer is no one, how are you living this? And if the answer is you only have people who are in the same decade as you, in age, in similar jobs to you, all from the, the same cultural background as you, And you're not welcoming the lowly in Jesus' name because of their faith in him. You're welcoming people in your name because it's sociable and enjoyable. Whose life situations are you aware of right now? Who do you know who's struggling or who's celebrating? Where are you sharing their burdens and and sharing their joys? Are you doing that simply because they belong to Jesus? Now, I'll be honest, I'm not naturally good at this at all. In fact, over the years, I've, I've learned heaps from other believers. Some of you here have taught me heaps about this. You're amazing at seeing other people through the eyes of Jesus. But I don't think this comes naturally to most of us, actually. And that's exactly why Jesus is telling his disciples here that they need to be those, if they're going to be the lowly, who welcome the lowly. The next thing, the position, taking the position of the lowly means, is it means never causing others to stumble. Look again at verse 6. Jesus says, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, if you welcome a little one, you welcome Jesus. If you trip up a little one in the faith, you reject Jesus. You invite his anger. I mean, this makes sense. If someone sins against my kids, someone sins against them in a way that endangers them or sets their life on a destructive course, would I sit back and be indifferent at that point? No way, of course not. And So of course Jesus will not sit back when someone endangers our faith or if we endanger someone else's faith. Taking the position of the lowly means we're not willing to let our sin or anything we do cause other people to trip up in their faith. When we see just how valuable all lowly people are, all lowly believers are to Jesus, we'll be careful not to despise even a single one of them, however unimportant they seem. And this means we take our sin so seriously that we take steps to deal with it. So are you the lowly? Then that means for you being humble enough to take steps to take your sin seriously and to deal with it. Does pride threaten to trip you up or to trip others up? Does anger threaten to trip you up or to trip others up? Do you have so little control of what you say that you risk hurting people and and driving them away by saying flippant, offensive things? Do you have a problem with gossip that turns relationships toxic? Do you use alcohol in a way that that sets a bad example to others and endangers them? Are you inclined to whinge and, and turn people from thankful hearts to bitterness and complaining where we find sin in our own lives we need to take it serious and we need to take steps to deal with it jesus is saying now this is not about being perfect this is about being lowly lowly enough to realize that sin ignored, can cause us to stumble and it can cause others to stumble it takes great humility to to actually be honest about sin Honest between God and ourselves, honest with the people we're in danger and honest with other believers who can actually help us. But we follow Jesus. We are the lowly. And so we take sin seriously for the sake of others. The third thing taking the lowly position means for us is that it means seeking the wanderer to be reconciled. Now at this point, Jesus tells a parable about how a shepherd of a hundred sheep will leave the 99 behind to go and seek the one lowly sheep that's wandered off. And his point is, this is how God works too. God's heart is, is to seek the lowly and to bring them back. God's on about reconciliation. He doesn't want his people to perish. And the reason that Jesus is telling this parable here is that he's, he's seeking people He'll share God's heart. He wants us to be lowly enough to to also seek reconciliation. So look at verse 15. Jesus says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. So we've heard Jesus say what to do when we find our own sin. where to deal with it. Here he tells us what we should do when we find someone else sinning. And it's not clear whether this is someone sinning against us personally or whether this is just someone sinning in general. But Peter, he seems to understand it as sinning against him personally because in next week's passage we'll see he asks the question, well, how many times should I forgive someone? But whether it's sinning against us personally or just sinning in general, Jesus is telling us here how to approach this as the lowly. And his point is that instead of seeking justice or seeking to humiliate someone or seeking to vindicate ourselves, our heart as the lowly is to seek reconciliation, no matter how lowly or insignificant that other person might seem. All these steps are, are all about going out of our way to pursue the lost rather than to just cut them off. The Father goes to great effort to seek His people and his joy is real when he finds just one of them. And we're told we're to be like him. But you know what I find really sad about this passage or the way it's used is that often this passage is used by Christians or it's seen as a way that you can deal with someone who's wronged you in the church. It's seen as a way to try to force someone into admitting their fault. But taking it that way, it's to rip the heart out of it and to turn it into something hideous. This is all about seeking reconciliation. This is all about the lowly seeking the lowly. It's all about sharing God's heart to see the wanderer brought home. And don't you reckon that completely changes how you would approach someone who's sinning? It changes your motivation. Jesus gives us four steps here to seek someone who's lost first when someone sins you take taking the lowly position means you go to them and you go to them alone you don't gossip you don't broadcast it neither do you cut them off or pretend nothing happened you go with a heart seeking reconciliation and you do everything that you possibly can to make it easy for them to listen to you and that takes great humility especially if you've been wronged and hurt and treat badly, treated badly. But if your heart is reconciliation, if they will listen to you, then you've won them over, Jesus says. Not simply won them over to your side. You've won them back to the side of Jesus. But if they won't listen, if they won't take their sin seriously, then they're in danger of being lost to God forever. And they're at risk of... of in endangering the salvation of others causing others to stumble and so the second step in taking the lowly position is to take two to three witnesses so that they it's clear that it's not just a personal thing this is still about seeking reconciliation it's it's still about wanting to win people to jesus it's not about trying to get people to take sides and so again everything we do should be about trying to do it in a way that will help them to listen even if we go with a couple of people. But if they still won't listen, Jesus says the third step to take is to tell it to the whole gathering of believers. And this sounds harsh, but the heart is still reconciliation. And even the fourth and final step in verse 17 is the same. Jesus says if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And we can so easily misunderstand this, can't we? We hear this, and we think it sounds like we need to punish them. but how does jesus teach how does Jesus treat tax collectors? Well, he loves them, and he treats them as incredibly valuable, and because of that, he calls them to lower themselves and repent and believe. what Jesus is saying here is that we should call a spade a spade. you know think about it like this you. Know, If someone says to me, you're committing adultery and you shouldn't. And if I say, so what? And then if three people come to me and say, no, really, it's not right. And if I say, go away, mind your own business. And then if the whole church says to me, it's really not okay, you need to take Jesus seriously. If I won't listen at that point, then I've shown myself to not be somebody who wants to follow Jesus. And the most loving thing that people could do for me at that point would not be to say, oh, well, let's just ignore it. Let's just carry on as if it doesn't matter. The loving thing would be to say, we love you, but you need to humble yourself and return to Jesus. And until you do, we're not going to just pretend that you're a part of his kingdom. There's a, a humility in seeking to reconcile someone when they've wronged us. And there's a humility in being willing to see this through and willing to say it really does matter. It's actually a proud thing to say, oh, I know that Jesus has got a problem with this, but I'm, I'm fine with it. We're okay with it. That's not humility. And just before I move on from this passage, I want to just point out a couple more things here, ways that we could get this wrong. Because this is what to do with people who call themselves Christians. It's not something for non-Christians who, among, who are among us. It's not something we should do for them. This is about a Christian seeking to restore another Christian who's sinning. And the other thing to say about this before we move on is that there are some scenarios that are, that are more complicated than, than the kind of scenarios that Jesus is talking about here. If someone is a, a leader and is sinning, and especially where there's a power indifference. It might not be as straightforward as as going and speaking to them one-to-one. There are some times that that we would actually need to take a different approach. And if there's ever abuse, then it's entirely appropriate that the person abused doesn't need to confront their abuser one-to-one. My point is, the heart of this is that we point out sin in order to see people restored to Jesus. So we don't do nothing. And we don't take destructive action, we take the right action, which is usually to try to win back the person one-to-one. But there'll be sometimes that the right action, where there's a gross abuse of power or an imbalance of power, sometimes the right action is different. It's not to gossip or do nothing, it might be to speak to the leadership team, it might be to speak to the police or to some other official channel. What Jesus is saying here should never be twisted as a reason not to take those kind of steps. That's not the intention of it. The final thing to see in this passage, briefly, is that Jesus is powerfully with the lowly. Look at verse 18. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So The church us. We're a collection of lowly people, but we are not simply a collection of lowly people. The church is the way that Jesus is building his kingdom and how we relate to this lowly group, the church, actually shows our fate for all eternity. As we repent and, and put our faith in Jesus and, and take our place in his people, among his people, we're loosed from death by jesus and as we the church declare this gospel message to people we see people either bound in judgment as they reject jesus or loosed in forgiveness as they accept him and take their place in his body we know we're not much we're the lowly we know that and yet we should also know that the church is the very way that God intends to build his kingdom through us. It's ridiculous, but it's true, through the lowly. This is what Jesus says in verse 19. He says, again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there, I, there am I with them. We're the lowly, but as, as we take the lowly position, we're, we're not alone. Jesus himself is with us. The church is lowly, but this is where Jesus sees true greatness. Our world, it, it values humility to a degree. We tend to value humility in other people, and we tend to want to appear humble ourselves. But actual lowliness... Actually, being lowly, that doesn't appeal to most people. But we of all people need to see the beauty and and the greatness of humility, of genuine lowliness. We need to be those who lower ourselves and and repent and trust Jesus. We need to be those who, who lower ourselves and truly welcome other lowly people. We need to be those who lower ourselves and call out the sin in our own lives that would trip us up and the sin in our own lives that would trip others up. We need to lower ourselves and seek those who sin even against us, even when they hurt us, and seek them to be won back to Jesus' sight. Let's pray for God's help in this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the God you are. That your character is to take the lowly position in order to give and to seek the lost. Father, in Christ Jesus, we have seen your glory. That in Jesus, you would come and die for us. God, the son dying in our place. Father, it's beyond our comprehension. That the greatest would be the servant of all. Lord, help us to accept lowliness. Lord, to change and become like little children and to go on like little children in your kingdom to do this genuinely to welcome those who are also lowly not to cause them to stumble and lord to always seek reconciliation we need your help in this pour out your spirit in our lives and in our church we pray in jesus name amen